I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 43 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey friends, happy Monday. It is Sarah and I am back for another episode of the podcast. We are getting well into the way of a new month of September. And one of the things I want to try to do this fall is to provide almost little like mini series during the podcast. So each month I'm going to try to pick a focus, do a couple episodes on it. So that way I can keep the episodes short and sweet, but still sort of provide all of the ideas and knowledge and information I have about a specific topic without making you listen to like a 45 minute podcast episode. Because I know you guys are busy, especially with the start of the school year. And I so appreciate you guys tuning in every week. And I definitely want to make sure that this podcast is helpful for you now that we are back in the school season. And so during the month of September, we are going to do a little mini series all about mini lessons. And if you joined me for our summer series in our Upper Elementary Reading Teachers Facebook group, then you know I talked all about mini lessons then. So I'm going to go a little bit more in depth with a couple of things here during the podcast, but I just sort of like chuckled when I did that training because it was probably about an hour and I talked to you all about how important it is to keep our lessons short, mini, and basically every everything that I did was the exact opposite of what you should do with your students now. Obviously, I know when you're teaching adults during professional development, it's a little bit different than when we're teaching students during a literacy block, but I still try to kind of practice what I preach. And so for the next three weeks, I'm going to try to keep these uh, podcasts short and concise and talk kind of all about the mini lesson. So for our first episode of our mini series, I kind of just want to talk about how to teach an effective reading mini lesson. I want to give an overview of what it is, why we should be using mini lessons, and then go through each part of it. If you are new to mini lessons or new to using Reading Workshop, this is going to be a perfect intro to it. And even if you've been teaching mini lessons for, you know, a couple years, I'm still going to be able to provide some tips and some tricks that will hopefully just, you know, some, some of those helpful reminders that sometimes over time we can forget about. So 
First of all, what is a mini lesson? This is one of those terms that I feel like I see a lot in education. And a lot of times, honestly, it is used incorrectly. I think a lot of times teachers will label their whole group lessons or their whole group instruction as a mini lesson, even if it's not a true mini lesson. A lot of times I see teachers, you know, describe like a PowerPoint presentation as a mini lesson or using a read aloud as a mini lesson. And while a mini lesson is part of your whole group instruction, it also is very specific. A mini lesson is a specific portion of reading workshop. There is a very specific framework that it follows. And so if you've sort of wondered or are unclear on what a mini lesson is, it is a short, we're thinking 10, 12 minutes max (laughs) whole group lesson. And it takes place during the first part of your reading workshop. Now, even if you don't use the reading workshop model, you can still put in mini lessons. And part of the reason why we can keep our mini lessons short is it is going to have one very clear, and I always say bite size objective. Again, if we're trying to teach it in 10 minutes, it's got to be very short. So during this mini lesson, you're going to teach your students really just one specific strategy, or you're going to focus in on one part of a reading skill, something that you can be very specific about. And the whole reason why we want to have these bite-sized objectives is so students feel confident in their ability to practice it out or to try it during their independent reading. And then I think the other thing that makes a mini lesson really unique is that you are going to use a familiar mentor text. Now, a mentor text could be a picture book. It could be an article. It could be a passage that you've read with your students before. It could be a poem, any sort of text, but it is familiar, meaning you've already read it to your students. So you're not going to be going through and reading the entire text during your whole group lesson. That can take place during another part of your reading block. And the reason why we use a familiar text is because, you know, if our students are familiar with the story, they're not going to be using their, you know, their brain space or their, their thinking to understand what's going on or pay attention to the story. But instead they can see how this objective, how this strategy or skill that you're teaching them fits in with that text. So that's kind of what a mini lesson is. And there's tons of reasons why I encourage teachers to use mini lessons but some of the some of the real big benefits or some of the reasons why I think they're so powerful and important is they're short, right? They're short, they're sweet, they're focused. Too often, I've talked about this before, but too often we spend too much of our our reading block gets filled up with teacher talk, right? So if we start our our start our lesson with our whole group instruction, and if we spend so much of that time talking and explaining and providing examples, and even if we're having a discussion with our students, right? Even if they're turning and talking. Even if they're, you know, participating, if most of our reading block is spent doing whole group instruction, our students are never going to get the chance to actually practice. And so this is, I think, probably the the main reason why I love mini lessons is because they are short. They are 10, 15 minutes, which means they're taking up no more than 25% of your reading block, which means that you then have the rest of the time. We're talking 45 minutes for your students to read independently, for them to do book clubs, for them to do literacy stations, for you to pull small groups. And so just the framework of the mini lesson allows us to have more time for our students to be actively involved in the reading process versus listening to us doing the talking. Because remember, students learn by doing. So we really want to get to that independent practice kind of as quickly as we can. And then a couple other reasons why I love mini lessons is the fact that we are using a real text to teach real strategies, real thinking, real processes, real questions, you know, so students can see so often we, you know, if we explain using a PowerPoint or an anchor chart, and not that those things are bad, 
again, I, I love reminding teachers that there's always more than one way. There's, there's a place for so many different, you know, strategies and approaches. But if we want our students to be able to apply the strategies and the thinking to their independent reading to actual texts, then we want to show them what it looks like using a real book. So I love that many lessons model our thinking and model the strategies with actual texts. And then I think another reason why I just love mini lessons is the fact that this framework, and I'm going to talk about the parts of a mini lesson, can be used to teach anything. And you guys know as reading teachers that there is a lot, a lot that we have to teach our students. Not only are we responsible for the comprehension skills and the strategies, but we have to teach them how to, you know, fill out a graphic organizer. We have to teach them how to turn and talk. We have to teach them how to do book clubs. We have to teach them how to check out books from the library, all of those habits and behaviors and writing about reading and talking about reading and all of those things we can teach using the mini lesson structure. And so it is a framework. It is a pattern. I think, you know, we as humans thrive off of routines. And so this mini lesson routine that you incorporate into your reading block can be used to teach any objective, whether it is comprehension or not. You can even use mini lessons for your writing instruction. You could use it for social studies, science, math. It's just sort of a really good way to keep your lessons focused and concise. So those are kind of just some important sort of context to keep in mind. And I don't think I've actually ever really gone through. I know I talked a little bit about it this summer, but I kind of want to go a little bit more in depth and kind of break down what is happening during each part of the, the reading mini lesson. Again, if you are new to mini lessons, this is a framework that you can use. And I actually have a freebie that I'm going to link to this podcast where it has a mini lesson plan template that includes this, this framework that I'm about to share with you along with sentence stems and sentence starters that you can use to help you plan your own mini lessons. And then I'm also going to include a sample mini lesson. We have mini lessons available inside our seller teacher reading membership. And so I'm going to include a sample of that. So you can see what an actual mini lesson plan would look like with an actual text. So that way, if you're wanting to plan out your own, you can go ahead and use the same framework. So I'm going to go ahead and link to that in the show notes in case you want a little bit of help with getting started with planning for your mini lessons. Okay. So every mini lesson really has five parts. And so no matter what objective you're planning, um, no matter really what subject you want to follow the same sort of framework. And so the first part of the mini lesson is what I call the connect. And this should be one to two minutes. And I like assigning timeframes to the parts. So that way we as teachers can just hold ourselves accountable to trying to keep them mini. And so during the connect, you want to connect whatever your objective is to your student's current reading. This is where you give the context to the reason for our lessons. So often we, you know, we as teachers maybe understand the connection and maybe we realize that it's like, okay, this makes sense for us to teach because of our pacing guide, because of the scope and sequence, because I noticed, you know, whatever was happening with students during small group, they need more practice with this. But a lot of times we forget to communicate the why for our lessons to our students. And I think anytime that we can let students understand why our instruction is important, how it is going to help them, why it's valuable, that just helps create buy-in. So just before you start your lesson, spend one to two minutes really explaining why this lesson is important for them. And that can be as simple as saying something as, hey, yesterday during workshop, we were talking about, you know, summarizing and you guys learned the strategy, you know, how to use beginning, middle, end. Well, I wanted to teach you another strategy today. So something as simple as that, or it could even be, we've been learning how to stop and jot with our writing using a post-it note. Well, today I want to show you how we can take that post-it note and write long about our thinking. Whatever it is, we're connecting it to something that they've already learned, something they've already done, 
And it just helps them sort of have a context and understanding for the lesson. So short, sweet, no more than two minutes. And then we get into the teaching point. So this is the next part. And this is honestly the shortest part of your lesson, but it is maybe the most important. And this is where you directly tell your students what you will be teaching them. It really should be a short statement or one sentence. And I encourage teachers to script out their lesson plans, especially in the beginning with mini lessons, but especially your teaching point. You want to script it out and you're really going to tell your students exactly what it is you are going to be teaching them. You want it to be something, you know, worded in such a way to where your students understand it. And it can be something like today, I want to teach you how readers can use the somebody wanted, but so then formula to summarize fiction texts, or today I want to show you how readers can ask questions before they start reading. Or it can be something as simple as today, I want to show you how characters in our stories have both internal and external traits, whatever it is, but it's short, it's sweet. It is one sentence. And part of the reason why we want to keep our teaching point to one sentence is because that is kind of one of the checkpoints, one of the ways that we can guarantee that we are teaching a mini lesson. If we take, you know, three to five minutes to explain what it is we're teaching, if we you know, have to use three to five sentences to explain the subjective, that's kind of a sign that we're teaching our students too much. So your teaching point should be one sentence or less, really 30 seconds. And it should be something that you can communicate really in one specific sentence. So connect, teaching point, and then you get into the teach model portion of your mini lesson. And this is around five minutes. And honestly, this is the hardest part of the lesson. And this is where teachers and myself included have the tendency to want to over talk because this is where we are showing our students how to apply the teaching point. This is where you're going to model. You're going to show your students using that mentor text, you know, if it's applicable and you're going to show your students, whatever the steps, the process, the questions, you know, how this teaching point applies to an actual text. So. A couple of things that I try to do to keep this short and concise is, first of all, I try to maintain the mindset and the reminder that my students don't have to master the subjective by the end of the lesson. I think this is one thing that when teachers sort of like lose sight of that, they feel this need to overexplain and overteach because we feel like just because I teach it once, um, my students should understand it. So if you can remember that your students are going to have many opportunities to practice, that mastery happens over time, and that you are simply introducing this skill or strategy to them so they have a chance to practice, that frees up this pressure that they have to master it after this lesson, which means you only need to provide enough for them to get started. So one example, <laughs> one, you know, one place in the text. And a couple of things that I like to do is I like to use an anchor chart Or another visual that's maybe going to help the students remember the teaching point or the objective. And I like to do that because, especially if you give your students a copy of an anchor chart to glue in their notebooks or put in their folder or put on like a strategy ring, they can always go back and reread it. And even if you're not 100%, you know, you don't spend a ton of time, you know, providing in-depth they can always go back and refer to it again. So when you use a visual that sort of like frees up your time. And just, again, it's like you're introducing this. Your students can go back and they can spend time thinking about it and reviewing it. So you just need to introduce the idea to them. And an anchor chart, having that visual can help. Another reason why I like an anchor chart is because if you use something that has the language already written out for you and kind of highlights those key points, that's going to help you as a teacher be more concise and on topic, knowing that you're not going to start rambling and 
I'm sure you guys hear that in the podcast a lot of times. There's sometimes where I have a much tighter outline and other times not. But when I have a super tight outline and I have my key points scripted out, I'm much more concise and specific with my language versus other times when I just kind of start rambling. So it's the same true with our students. If we have, you know, the anchor chart with the key points already scripted out for us, that's going to help us be really concise and specific. And then, you know, we want to show them one specific place in the text where this applies to it. So it doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to be this huge, long example. It just needs to be, here's the objective, and this is what it looks like in a text. So that's the teach model portion of it. And then after we teach and model to our students, we are going to do the engage. And the engage can be around three to four minutes. And think of it kind of like as the guided practice part of your lesson. This is just where you want to make sure that your students sort of understand what it is that they are doing, what they're practicing before they go back to their desks. And my favorite thing to do during the engage is a turn and talk. So I love teaching my students how to turn and talk. They usually all have a specific partner that they're going to have on the carpet. So they know every time they come to the carpet for a mini lesson, they sit next to their specific mini lesson partner. And then when I say turn and talk, they know exactly who they're turning to. So there's no, you know, looking around who wants to be my partner. I don't have a partner. It's very quick. It's very practiced and rehearsed because with only three to four minutes for the engage, we want to make sure that it's quick. So usually during this time, I will try, I will have them try out the strategy. So, you know, for example, if you were teaching your students to ask questions before they read a text, you know, you would maybe model a couple questions that you have. And then when you get to the engage, you would want them to ask a few extra questions. Maybe if you were talking about, you know, inferring character traits, you would use an example from a text that you've read. You would show them how to, you know, use a strategy to make an inference of character traits. And then you would ask them to do the same for either another character in that text or using a different text. So just a a quick chance to practice. They can turn and talk about it. And then you can ask maybe, you know, one or two students to share out what they heard or what they practiced during the engage portion. Other things that you can do during the engage section of the lesson is you can give students a whiteboard and you can ask them a question that's related to your teaching point and have them write it down. Or you could even give them a sticky note and have them jot down their thoughts on a sticky note. But anything to where they can sort of participate now in the conversation around the objective. And then the final portion of the mini lesson is your link. And this again is just one to two minutes. And this is basically the closure of your lesson. And this is where you're going to restate that teaching point, remind students what it is that they learned. And this is where basically you're going to give them the call to action that's going to encourage them to try and apply this reading strategy or skill to their independent practice. Because again, remember, ultimately, the whole reason why we're teaching mini lessons is we want students to feel empowered. We want them to practice what it is we're teaching them independently, because when they practice, that's where mastery happens. That's where they become stronger readers. And so you want to remind students. So today, while you're reading, or anytime you sit down to read, or the next time you sit down to read, or today, if you happen to be reading fiction, so don't forget that when you guys are reading, you can, whatever it is, just one sentence where it's, I want you to try and practice this. I want you to think about the characters in this way. I want you to try and use the strategy. Whatever it is, you restate it and you remind them that ultimately we want them to practice it. So That is it. So again, the five parts of the mini lesson, you have the connect, you have the teaching point, you have the teach model, you have the engage, and then you have the link. 
And just a couple of tips, if again, if you're new to this idea of mini lesson, or if you've never done a mini lesson before, I encourage teachers to script out their mini lessons ahead of time. This helps for a couple of reasons. One, it's going to actually help you keep your mini lesson mini, because if you script it out and you practice reading it, you should be able to read it in, you know, 10, 15 minutes or less. But then it also really helps you become concise on what is it exactly that I want to tell my students. And if you've never scripted out your lesson plan before, like I said, in that freebie, there is a lesson plan template along with sentence starters for each part of the mini lesson. And then I mentioned this earlier, but I love giving teachers this reminder. We should not accept mastery or expect mastery just from one mini lesson. Like I said, so often we teach a lesson and then we want our students to master it right away. But our mini lesson is the starting point. It is the introduction and our students will have plenty of time to practice during independent reading, during small group lessons throughout the year as we continue conversations because our mini lessons will build off of each other. So we want to sort of remove that expectation of mastery and then that can help us just understand that, you know what, I can keep this short because this is just an introduction to this idea so my students can feel confident in their ability to practice it. And then Other things that have helped is if you use the same mentor text for multiple lessons. And the best way for you to pick a mentor text is honestly, what is a text that you enjoy reading that your students enjoy? So if you love reading, you know, the name jar, or I always loved using Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. So that became a mentor text to be used a lot. I love using the invisible boy. So there's many texts that you can use for multiple lessons over and over again. So you could use one text to teach theme, to teach strategy, to teach character traits, to teach asking questions, to teach plot structure. And the more familiar your students are with the text, the easier it's going to be for them to see how these specific skills and strategies apply to the text and kind of let them see. And like I said, focus more on that skill versus trying to understand the story. So hopefully that is helpful. And Like I said, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit more about mini lessons. I'll be sharing some more ideas and strategies about the types of mini lessons you can be teaching, some things to avoid. And so hopefully you enjoy this little mini series all about mini lessons. And again, if you've not already done so, check out that freebie in the show notes. And I hope you guys will tune in next week for another episode of the podcast. Have a great week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.